In Deuteronomy chapter 28, where we've been spending a bunch of time here, really feeling that this 2018 is a season of us to really grab hold of this thing called the blessing of Abraham. And if you uh, read in verse 2 there, it tells us that all these blessings shall come upon thee, or you, and these blessings shall overtake you. And so, how many of you are already challenged by the desire in your own life to see the blessing of God come upon you and that it would overtake you? Both of those uh, references, the verbs there, are aggressively coming upon you. It's almost like an effortless thing that's happening, that all around you is the blessing of God Uh, activating and overcoming and conquering and empowering victory and success in every single area of your life. And just think about that for a moment. That sure sounds like something we would say on on Sunday mornings. But then Monday mornings come and all the of the day come and we forget about everything that God says yesterday because it's so difficult for us in a world that is so aggressively uh, teaching us that the harder we work, the more blessed we are. Mm. That's not what that says. Not that you don't work. I don't hear, you know, people, are, people, don't, people think that Christianity is just to sit around and wait for checks in the mail. Can I tell you, there is no economy in checks in the mail yeah. unless you did something to get the check in the mail. If God were to have, under that check-in-the-mail concept, excuse me if I take a little diversion, I'll put my iPad down. The problem with the the check-in-the-mail concept of Christianity is if that's God's perfect will, then the whole world is just sitting at home doing nothing, waiting for checks in the mail. How do we think that is going to work on an economic level? Where will the chickens come from that you want to eat for dinner? Maybe there'll be checks in the mail, but there'll be nothing for you to spend the checks in the mail on because nobody on the planet doing nothing. It doesn't work. The, 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 the system, the way we had understood it to work is not actually true. That doesn't diminish the fact that this scripture tells us that the blessing of God is going to come upon you and it is going to overtake you. And cause success, if you continue reading down about half, just go about halfway down that chapter, stop about halfway there, you'll see that it's in every possible area of life, victory and success is just coming and happening automatically in your life. And we see the same thing referenced when Jesus was speaking in Matthew chapter 6. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things, that's just a couple verses before there, he's talking about all the things of life. Life and the things that you require for life will be added to you. Again, you have this almost like it's happening and you don't know how it's happening. It's just you're being successful. It's just working out for you. When we take a look at that then, how many of you say, let's just start here. How many of you would like to have a little, at least a little bit of that going on in your life, right? How many, anybody? How many of you are really enjoying scratching and scraping for every penny that you find? Anybody in here got any of that going on? How many of you would like just a little bit of the blessing of God fixing just so, if, if some small insignificant thing in your life? Would you like any of the blessing of God to, to know how to do it? Yeah. To know how it goes, 
right? I don't know exactly how the power station in Niagara Falls works, but I kind of get a good idea about screwing a light bulb in and screwing a light bulb out. I kinda, I've worked on it for a while, and I kind of get that part. So I don't understand how everything in the electrical system works, but I understand how light bulbs go in and out. So I can do a little bit of the process. And I think that's what we're going to begin to discover this year, that how do we just get a trickle? How do we get a dependable flow of the blessing of God functioning in our lives in such a way that we can begin to build some confidence yeah. as we begin to go forward and take a little bit of a step forward into the plan of God, the impossible plan, the absolutely you cannot do it plan that each one of us feel on the inside God calling us to, how can I at least imagine even slightly that I can step towards that? That's what we're going to be discovering this year. And what we've taken time, and we're going to continue to take time, because I sure do want to jump to the back end and the, the last chapter of this book. But what we have to do is we have to begin to build the understanding of how does this actually work? How do you turn truth into facts? Because a lot of us know a lot of truth. The problem is, is that we have to pretend when it comes to other facts really there. We have to work hard and sweat and toil in order to get it to look like the blessing of God is operating in our life. Just pay the bills kind of blessing. Instead of that, the scripture has got to be, we got to dig in a little further to find out how does it actually work. And then once I discover how it works, I, I have a choice, of course. You can still not do it now that you understand it. But then at least we understand how do, what are the things that, are, are, that I, am I being called upon to do to make this system work? And it is shockingly simple. It's just painfully, agonizingly, disgustingly simple. And it's right here. Listen. And it, verse 1, and it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God, to observe and to do all his commandments which I have commanded you this day, that the Lord your God will set you upon high above all nations of the earth. The only verb, well, there's three verbs in that sentence, but the primary verb in that sentence is hearken diligently. Last time I was up here with you, we learned that hearken diligently is an iteration of two words. Anyone remember what they are? Shama shama. You got that remembered from last time. Good for you guys. To hear, <coughs> that word shama means to hear diligently or to hear with intention or to hear with interest. And then it is said two times, shama shama which means God is drawing our attention to the intensity to which we should shama. And that is by saying, go, go, now, now, which means something different than go now, right? Because God can't, yeah, we, we use caps now, right? When we want to say something, we'll have an exclamation point because that's English. There's no capitals and there's no, there's no punctuation in the language that this was written in. And so because of that, they use other ways of saying caps, exclamation point, exclamation point, and that is by saying it twice. Verily, verily. 
Jesus would say. That means, faites attention, as my French teacher used to say to me. Faites attention. Pay attention. <clears throat> so we talked about it last time, just a review. Number one, then, when it comes to this shama shama thing, how do you get your brain, if your brain's activities, this is maybe what we should start with, when you're, if your brain's activities are the determining factor between knowing the truth, because all God is saying here is just hearken diligently so that you can observe to do, so that you can do the commandment. So you're, they're, 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 they're linear. They're stacked after one another. First hearken diligently, then observe, then do. As we do that, oh, that's, all right, that's it. That's the disgustingly awful truth about what's in here is that it is so simple. And when you get to heaven and you go, God, what was up with that? I couldn't get a single blessing happening in my life. He'll just go, what? Shama, shama. That's all he's going to say, shama, shama. And you're going to go, Ugh. So possessing your soul, mastering <clears throat> your soul, is the determination between the, the truth, getting all the way through truth into fact into material present victory in your life it's just simply only what is going on in your soul how is your soul responding to the situation that you see everything about the new testament is about what goes on inside your soul and the governance of all of those things, of what's happening as you perceive your world around you, gather all that data together, and then respond in one way or another to that situation. Everybody on the planet responds to negative situations with negative emotions. You aren't special. Everybody does that. The problem is, how do we get our soul to stop responding that way? Right. And that's what we're going to talk about. Mastering your soul. But let me just draw you a quick diagram first. We'll be referring to how many of you love Pastor Ian's diagrams that don't ever go away. Okay, so then this is time here. And then we'll just call this for now plus and minus. And let me explain to you how the process of going to what's going on in your soul actually gets into the natural realm. What is happening first for most people is that if my, this blue curve here, I'll need another marker if I can, Sandy. This blue curve here is your, is your expector. What do you really expect is going to happen? For most people, anything good going on in their lives, they're not expecting it to happen. Most people, I would say 100% of the people in this room listening on that camera and all the way around the world, 100% of the people of this planet expect the results that they get out of the work that they do. If you don't do anything, nothing's going to happen. Everybody believes that. When you have that belief system, there is always ways that you don't measure up. There's always something somewhere that you have done wrong that is your heart condemning itself. It's your, your confidence is not really there. Yeah. 
after you go a ways in your life and you have a couple of negative experiences going on, you can see your life begin to pattern the expectation of more negative things happening. You only have to, I marvel at, 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 at I'm sorry that we use Olivia so much in, your, in our preaching right now. We'll use a couple more in September just to kind of mix it up. <laughs> but it's amazing when I watch Michael play with, Eliz- with Olivia. Like he'll throw her around and swing her and upside down her and all that kind of stuff. And she's just wailing away in laughter, loving it. Do you know what you know from that experience? That he's never dropped her. I'll promise you. Have you dropped her? No. I think I'm the only one. I was playing with her one day and she fell. So I'm the only one that's had that. Right there. Right there letting the world know. Right there. Carry this great deep burden now. All you have to have is one negative experience. Right? I remember the first time she was learning to hold her head up and she fell back and she hit her head. And then after that, Every time she would fall back, she would tense herself up like that because she didn't want to hit her head again. Immediately, even at that small age, we, our brain, our hoper, our expector starts to develop an understanding of what's going on. So for most people, don't think you're the only person in the room that have negative, way down on the negative scale expector about, the, about life. That's what wakes us up in the morning. That's what fills us with adrenaline. That's what gets us moving. That's what all of the energies of life for most people come because they're constantly fighting the negative expectation of what's going on. That's everybody. Don't feel bad. That's what the New Testament is actually about. It is the salvation of our soul. That doesn't mean, you're, you know, people say, let's pray this prayer, get your spirit saved, and then they can get to go to heaven when you die. Yes, that's true. But the New Testament is about saving souls. Your soul is your brain, mind, will, emotions, imagination, intellect, all of those kind of things that becomes terrorized by the trauma and the negative experiences of our life. So most people, when they find that they're in in whatever situation, and you could be winning the victory in your physical body, having health and health and health and health, never sick a day in your life, but you also can't rub two pennies together to save your life. That means that you are up here in the health area and you are down here in the financial area. That means you've had a, no trauma in your health world, but you've had a ton of trauma in your financial world. Simple. This math is ridiculously, painfully simple. What happens then is that when you begin to serve God and you have it before him, God, what are you doing here? How come I can't prosper in the way that your Bible tells me that I'm supposed to be able to prosper? And you are going towards God, wanting him to drop a couple gold bricks out of heaven. And all God does for you is he gives you a promise. He will show it out of the Bible. Jeremy will come up and he'll tell you about a promise in the Bible. And and you'll grab on to it. That is the moment of the promise, which let's call it right here. That means that there's there's interruption in your expectancy that has changed what you believe about what could possibly or potentially be your future. Usually what happens is at the moment of this promise, this is Sunday morning, what happens with your expector is it does this. And then on Monday morning, it does this. Okay? 
That's normal. When you get the preaching of the word of God and the excitement and all of those kind of things, you're, it, it like brings you up into this euphoric state. Finally, I have got an answer. Monday morning comes, you'll notice that you are further down than you were before. And what happens then is this curve now, if you will hearken diligently, what happens to this expector curve is it starts to wander up. As you just continue to go and 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 go. I'll stop here. What happens then is that when you have an expector, you'll notice that there's a bunch of dips. Okay? These are crisis points. When there seems to be things going on around you and in your life where the, the, the challenges your ability to remain hopeful in the promise that God has brought to you, right? So let's make it, let's take it financial issue. You know, Jared, Pastor Jeremy is up here and he's telling you about the seed time and harvest. That's great. Here's my hundred bucks. Got a thousand bucks coming tomorrow. Tomorrow comes no thousand bucks. It goes all the way up, comes crashing down, but you know, you've learned the Bible is true. Whether you experience it or you don't, whether it's a fact in your life or not, that doesn't change the fact that the Bible is true. You know that part. The fear of the Lord is there. You, are, you have come and submitted yourself unto Jesus, and Jesus says the Bible is true, so you say the Bible, you can't quit now. You might as well figure out how to get the heck up here and live in the blessing because because you believe the word of God, you aren't going to be able to leave no matter how low the depression goes. Selah. Take it from me. I'll give you my spot out there by, uh, by, the, by the water where I pound my feet into the concrete because I'm madder than a hornet at God because I am down here and I can't quit. Because I know the Bible is true. I know God wrote the book. So what happens is, is that in these crisis points, okay, let's not, let's do the other one first. Do I have another color? What color? Ooh, purple. I love purple. What is happening at the same time is that you have a faith curve. Your faith curve, where am I, is also down here. That's called fear. If it's underneath the line, it's fear. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Which comes first? Hope. That means there's a time lag between what you expect and what you have as facts showing up in your life. So if you take a look at this curve... Your faith actually continues to be pretty flat, even though your hope is going up. It needs a, the time to catch up. Then what happens is, is that your faith curve kind of goes the same line as your hope curve. I need to extend my black line here. Does, that, does it make sense, everybody? Yes. If, you under, if you understand this simple process, you're never, never, never going to be challenged by what's going on in your life. Wow. Ever. Uh, oops, sorry, I need to keep them all with me. Crisis point right here. So something happened right here that put you in a low right here. You go back up again, got a little bit higher, got punched in the face another time. All of a sudden, it comes down again. 
But this time you've had enough. You and their God stuff, you can take this God stuff, dip, 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 exclamation, circle mark, all that, and it goes like this, out. This is a KO right here, unless you have a wife, and she'll talk to you down here and get you back up again. But what's happening to your faith curve? Your faith curve is doing this. I don't have enough whiteboard. You'll notice something terrible about the faith curve. What's the terrible thing you notice about the faith curve? It never crossed the line. Think about it for just say la. It never crossed the line. If it never crosses the line, it never does anything positive. That's the hard part of the process, is knowing that as I am pursuing and moving forward with my expectation, overcoming crisis, 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 until I finally get thy faith curve over the line. Once, if you would not do that, if you would, instead of crashing right here, call someone, as Pastor Alex was saying this morning in Connect, uh, uh, call somebody and they'll, they'll get you going again. They'll talk you, they'll, 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 they'll take, get you to safe, put the safety back on the gun. They'll talk you off the bridge. What they're doing is then finally, what will happen is, is that then the faith curve here will get over the line. Once it gets over the line, things start to happen. Facts start to show up. Once facts, facts start to show up, you start to have some experiences. Yeah. Once you have experiences, penny in the parking lot kind of experiences, somebody ahead of you in the, in the coffee lot, I came to the vending machine the other day, I was so blessed. I came to the vending machine, I put my fingers in the change, somebody left their change in the, in the change bucket, and I got a free coffee. What do I call that? I call that the blessing of God overtaking me. I put my loony back in my pocket and had a free coffee. Jumping up and down, the blessing of the Lord. Why are you doing that? It sounds funny. But what you're doing is you're, you're reinforcing your hope. Now, once you start having some facts show up, your, your hope curve can go exponentially higher because you've got some experience with it. You come to church and you listen to a testimony of somebody that had an amazing thing happen to them, a same kind of a world maybe that you're looking for some amazing things. You may be still down here somewhere struggling with your expectation. But they're over here, and they've got a testimony. They've got something that's happening to them, and that encourages you. It brings you up. It, brings, it makes you increase. And it gives you the ability to start not just having your facts, but have other people's facts. And those start to add on to the place where now my ho you, you, you can't steal certain things. I, I, I won't tell you today, but I had this experience way back in the beginning with a, Tim Horton's cup of coffee. $1.25 back, that's how long ago it was. 
the $1.25 for a cup of coffee and somebody blessed me and I knew it was the, uh, God blessing me. I can't tell you how many victories we had after that simply because I had the words large double-double. And so it didn't matter, because that was $1.25, but there were other ones after that that were hundreds of thousands or more that I was believing for, needing, and the double-double. Large double-double, large double-double, large double-double. What was that? That was an experience that I had had in my past that I was finally over the line, even in the most minuscule way. I was over the line and it's starting to experience some facts, undeniable realities of God and his presence and his blessing operating, undeniable operating in my life. The problem that we get into is that this, why am I teaching you this now? This process right here, this blue line, is all shama shama. Hearken diligently. Hearken diligently. Hearken diligently. As you just keep going, just don't quit. Don't be nervous when somebody else that just showed up in church yesterday, they, got, they, you know, they accepted Jesus yesterday, and they come back with a testimony that some gave, somebody gave them a, a $100,000 Ferrari. You're believing for 30 bucks to pay rent. Don't worry about that. The more, this is the unfortunate part about the world that we live in, the more trauma that we have experienced in a particular area, the harder it is for our soul to stay the course and get over the line. Other people, they've just never worried about money, let's say, or you've never worried about your health, or you've just always had great relationships and never had any trauma. God comes in, fixes something, zippity-doo, within a 20 minutes, it's gone. Another person is fighting for 30 years in order to get the same victory. That's that's based on a whole bunch of things we're not going to get into today. Don't get that in your mind. Everything is based on fair. It's equitable. It just needs to be that whatever, however deep you are here, however many crises show up along the way, you just have to not quit. Just be cool. Just don't quit. Of course, don't quit and live miserably and torture the people that you live with. I can also tell you, that's a bad idea. <laughs> what we're learning as we're going through this is how do you live victoriously through this journey? Speed it up so that life isn't a torture. That was our objective when our family first came into ministry was how do we get people to not have to suffer quite as much as we had to suffer as you go through the transition season? Because what, what was 25 or what, 15 or 20 years in my life, hopefully is one or two years in your life. Because you understand how to do it. You understand the process, build all kinds of systems around you where we can facilitate and help you with the process. Because we understand a little bit anyways about how to do it. Then you learn more so that when it's your time to put this graph up on the wall, you know even more than I do and what it, what it takes in order to accomplish it. So number one that we were together last time, how do we do this? First thing, and this is going to be a three-part process, and we'll talk about them. One, when crisis hit, these are your enemies right here, these crisis points. 
without the crisis, everybody could keep going forever. Why would you quit? What do you do or how do you maintain stability so that as you are in this process of hoping, you just remain stable? Your line actually looks like this. Here's how you do it. Number one, when a crisis hits you, you have to have the ability to concentrate. Or as Peter tells us many times, I think the book of Peter, the two writings of Peter, were simply talking to us completely about how to control our brains. How to think soberly, he says. Or your Bible might say, think clearly. At the moment of crisis or the moment of challenge. What you have to be able to do is you have to be able to grab hold of all the negative emotion that you are feeling. Depression is hitting you. Fear is hitting you. I'm going to fail is hitting you. The deadline is hitting you. Your spouse is, hit, is, uh, is bugged by you. All of these kind of things are going on as you continue and your soul is being so challenged by it. What you have to be able to do is stop and let the emotion settle. The way, the best way to, uh, for me, the best way for me to do that is I have to just sit down. I have to breathe. It's very important to breathe. If you don't breathe, you pass out. You just have to calm yourself down and let the whole world around you settle. And the best way that I found to do that, because, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus has these, and these words haunt me. He says in, in verse 34 there, he says, take no thought for tomorrow. I think if I would have been there when Jesus said that, I would have taken a swing at him. He said, take no thought thought for tomorrow. That word thought there is the word merimnao. That word merimnao means anxious thought. It means troubled thought. The root word is a word that says divided or of many parts. And what it's talking about is, and you've all <laughs> experienced this, I'm actually the, the I have, I'm, I'm sure I'm the gold medal winner of this on the planet, by the way. It's dividing up and building alternatives and options and changes and computations and permutations and what abouts and, and what ifs and how about this is and all of those kind of things that go on in my mind when it comes to every single detail imaginable about my life all the time. That's what that word means. It's just the crazy amount of overwhelmedness that happens in our minds. And typically, it's going on in a hundred different facets or pathways of our lives, which is generally, generally at, the, at the max all the time. And then all of a sudden, Alex comes in and he says, do you have any deodorant? And I want to punch him in the head because I can't think about the answer to whether I do or don't, because my brain is now so full of all of the merimnaos of the other issues of my life. Yeah. 
It's worry, it's anxiety. You know, I had this terrible reality about 25 years ago when I realized my brain was not infinite. Before that, I had always thought that it was. I never got to the place where I felt overwhelmed by life. But it's just like a computer, same thing. You can keep loading all kinds of crap onto your computer, but one day, it's just going to stop working because you have literally crammed data into every square inch of that computer. Now it can't function anymore. That's what goes on in our life, particularly in our world, because our world is so complicated. There's so many issues that we really have no understanding of. And that creates worry. It creates anxiety. So the first thing we have to do is be able to let all that settle down until everything is okay. I'm going to use this word for it, at least for my life, that works really well when I think about uh, Matthew chapter uh, 6 there. And it's what I focus on. And that is nowfulness. And so, what is it talking about when Jesus... Because how many of you know that in, in Romans chapter 4, verse 18, it tells us to hope against hope. Hope is an, is an expectation of the future. Jesus said, don't have no expectation of the future. And so, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, what appears to be a contradiction... One of them saying you are out of, you're completely short-circuiting the faith system if you don't have an expectancy of the future. Another one seems to say that you have to have an expectancy of the future and that, or that you should not ever have a thought of tomorrow. The problem is, is that we have thoughts of tomorrow that are still down in the negative. They're dread-filled, anxious, nervous kind of thoughts. In order to be able to gather all that in, what we have to do is develop a mechanism inside of our soul to begin to bring everything back to right now. Because all of my problems are, I never have a problem in the now. Matter of fact, right now I'm fine. But then I look over here and I see Paul looking at me and I go, oh, what's Paul thinking? Oh, he's going to, it's all the negative. If I think about now, I remember the Lord said to me this about in the beginning. He said, Ian, you're, you're, you're wasting all of your todays worrying about all your tomorrows. He's going like, how's that going to work for you? Instead of being able to come completely into what's going on right now. And take a deep breath. It's just, I do it automatically now. It's amazing. I don't know what it is about the breath, right? The huah, the breath of God. Right? The breath is such an important part of the process. And you just let everything settle. It's amazing, actually, when you get good at it. It happens, it's literally, you can feel the emotions are gone. They're just gone. In that moment now, we fill up everything with now. And, and now, we know the truth is there. How many of you know where the Holy Spirit lives? Does anybody know where the Holy Spirit lives? It lives where? In, in us, yes, but more specifically, in, in me, right? Us is more, got to go to church for an us. I can do me all by my onesie. He's in me. And so I can just let everything settle down and focus, zero in 
on the spirit of the Lord that is within me and start to talk. And you say, Holy Spirit, it's my, this is my favorite question. It's my first question. It's only my only question, really, because it settles everything. I say, Holy Spirit, is everything going to be okay? Wow. Now, if you try to do that unsettled, the answer is a screaming no. <laughs> but if you let yourself settle and you feel the peace, I don't know how, you know, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna communicate with the Holy Spirit three different ways. You see something, hear something, or feel something. You have to learn that. You're, you're, you, you all do all of them, but you do one of them better than the others. Is everything going to be Okay. And then you wait in that now-filled moment. Mm -hmm. Whatever the crisis was that is on the outside that caused you to be in this moment is still going to be barking at you. And what will happen at first is that it will bark into your now moment many times. Don't worry about that. Just when you feel yourself, you know, you're trying to just settle. And you can feel that thing coming back in. Oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Just stop. Settle it again. Go back to the Holy Spirit. And it goes off again. Don't worry about it. Settle it down. Come back. The first time you try to do this, you'll find out that you are in a, a war, as Peter says. A war in your soul. A war. He says, think soberly because you are in a war in your soul. This is the war. This is the war of the New Testament. What you are, what we're talking about today. This is the mechanism. And just let the moment be okay right now and Fill up your entire soul with your interaction with the Holy Spirit saying everything is going to be okay. You don't have to ask more questions. How is this going to turn out? He's not going to tell you. I guess he doesn't tell me. He might tell you. He doesn't need me to have the answer. He needs me to be okay that he has the answer. It's, and if you, if you can't do that, if you have to know the answer, your OCD and stuff like that, you're going to go through a journey of having to get God to show you he's not going to let you stay OCD and take his wisdom and do it in your OCD self. Because OCD is fear. He's going to want to get you, and that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. I had to do that. He's going to, he has to, but don't get mad at him if he's not cooperating with you the way you want him to cooperate with me. Say, Lord, give me the six digits of the lotto, 649. I just need them right now. I'm feeling 14. I'm feeling 9. I'm feeling 72. Go ahead. Spend your $2. It's not going to be the numbers. Because he's not going to deal with you that way. He needs you to get out of this way of thinking. Yeah. Remain until the emotion, the preconceptions the biases, the predictive meanings, all those things are removed. You'll feel, that's, a ten, that's why this is so important. 
That's a tangible feeling. Don't worry if you can't do it very well up front. That doesn't matter. You will develop this mechanism. It's just a muscle. Remove the emotional reactivity to whatever is happening and stay there. You've got to stay there for an hour. When I first did this, before, when I, this was 25 years ago. When I first learned how to do this, literally I was freaking out minute by minute. Just determining that I was just going to trust God. But your, your, your psyche freaks out because that's not the way you understand the world to be. You need to get going. You've got to go get 72 jobs. Right? You need to go rob a bank. You need to go do something that's going to enable you to get the problem solved. And your brain is going to want to do that. That's okay. That's normal. Just keep going into that now-filled, peaceful moment. And, and you have to, and this is, this is the, another thing that we have to be careful of in our culture. We have to engage. Don't scroll. You understand the difference, right? You know what this means, mm -hmm. right? We just sort of zip through whatever. A little, 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 little. Don't do that. You got to really engage, fill yourself, immerse yourself in the wellness that you're experiencing right now. If a lion walks in the door, I'm still okay when he's in the back of the room. I'm still okay when he's halfway down. I'm still okay when he's standing right in front of me. I'm still okay when he's got a wide open mouth about to clamp my head off. I'm still okay. Can you all feel how that would go? I mean, if you saw, knew there was a lion in the county, you'd start being afraid. You can't do that. You have to learn the ability of, you're okay. We are not like the Gentiles, the he people who don't know God, who are what? Without hope in this world. That hope is an expectation that everything is going to be okay, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what is coming against us, the ability to remain sober and think clearly and calmly, no matter what is going on around us, is the marker, the marker of a Christian. It's all those early stories about the people who were persecuted in the seasons of the early church, and they were able to be peaceful in the middle of even the, even the most horrendous of tortures. Yes, his grace is sufficient. If you don't know the story, I'll tell it to you another time. No, and this is, and I'll finish with this. Color that I haven't used yet. No, let's not use that. This whole process from here to here <clears throat> is filled with grace. His grace is sufficient. It doesn't look like you're going to survive. But as you are going through this curve, and it, and it goes even further, it goes to the place where there's always a bit of grace handling something in your life. It's causing something to work, even though you're not spiritually the guy that's making it work. 
know that no matter what, if you are seriously working with God and he has given you this promise and you are working with it, shama shama ing all the time, no matter what the crisis is that you're dealing with, the grace of God is covering it and giving you victory. What it is not doing is giving you victory without a storm. The storm is there because you'll quit shama shama ing yeah. if God just solves the problem yeah. by removing the storm and solving the problem. Right. I remember this struggle. It was so aggravating to me. I, can't, I, I wish there was words I could use in church. There are words I could use, but I can't use them in church. Where I would need God to solve a problem for me. Right, let's say I was $100 short on the mortgage or something like that at the end of the month, and I needed the $100. And so I'm thinking, God, it's just as easy for you to get me $100 as it is for you to get me $1,000. Give me 900 bucks to play with. That would be easy, right? You know how much he gave me? He gave me 110 You know why he gave me 110 Because he knows I tithe. So the storm was still there, but I was okay. Do you understand the process here? And you have to be okay with that because God does not want you to live at a $100 level. And you'll live at a $100 level if he doesn't teach you how to get to a billion-dollar level. He's okay with you being sick only six months out of every year, but he wants you to be healthy until you drop dead at 120. Just give up the ghost, as, it, as they used to say in the olden days. People used to pass out of just old age in their sleep. We don't hear about that much these days, but that's how God would have it, that we just live victoriously like that at every level. So as we are going through what you are doing, don't, and, and the process can be infuriating, but as you are continuing to go through the process, infuriating and long is what happens if we don't shama shama. It just keeps on going because you've got to get your faith curve over the line. And what we can do is if we constantly are driving down and living down in our crisis, so we get into a crisis and we stay there for 42 years, then your faith just comes up to the here and just maybe you're not terrified and pooping your pants, but you're all the way down here forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, never getting over the line. The objective is going to be that you get your hope, get the crises, if they happen, get them over fast using this technique or, want, or invent your own, but using the technique of getting into the now when everything is actually awesome. My, my nows have always been awesome. It's my expectation of the future that has been terrible. Reckon all of my nows. Take that equation out, and I've always been awesome. I remember I was ticked off last year for something. I can't remember what it was. And the Lord came to me and he says, why don't you just take inventory of your life? I'm, I think I, me- I mentioned it here one time in church. I'm the happiest guy in the world. I really am the happiest guy. I don't know people, anybody who's happy like me. I just have to get my expector to realize that. My life is the best one going. And yours is too. If we stop worrying about all the things that aren't quite right, they're not going good, they're not set up right, they're not going to turn out right, all of this negative feeling that's wrecking all of our nows. 
Now, we don't stay in this. Come back next time because we're going to talk about what do you do from this now fullness. There is somewhere to go from here. It's not just Matthew 6.34 that says take no thought. There is thoughts that you should be taking. But you can't take them if you are full of all the anxious worry. Trying to get God to answer your worrisome questions. He doesn't do that. And he, well, he does answer them, but he doesn't answer them the way you want him to answer them. And because of that, it's very hard to hear him when you are anxious up to the max. Do you understand? Yes. Come down, learn that ability. Even as we go through this week, practice it a whole bunch of times. When you feel the emotion, when you wake up with a, with a wrong side of the bed, when somebody aggravates you, when you get ticked off about something, when a fear comes to you, when a bill comes in the mail, when the doctor's office calls, whatever it would be that's part of that world, practice the ability to step right into the everything is okay right now. Put your hand over your heart and say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I know you're teaching me how to live victoriously in all of my nows and expectant and overcoming in all of my futures as the Holy Spirit leads me into the destiny he has for me. In Jesus' name, amen.